When acclaimed South Korean director Kim Ki-duk died in, on 11th December 2020 as a result of coronavirus in Latvia, uh, there was great uh, sorrow in Kerala particularly because his films were so popular at the International Film Festival of Kerala uh, every year that there used to be long queues of uh, moviegoers for his screen innings in Tiruvananthapuram. And actually bowing to public demand, Kim Kiduk actually flew down to Kerala in 2013 where he was the chief guest at the closing ceremony of the IFFK that year. And he was reportedly to have said that Kerala is a beautiful place. I was out for a walk in the morning and being a first time I was overwhelmed by the response of the people. People were waving at me from buses and cars. And it's ironic that somebody whose films were uh, about uh, you know, the outcast, about marginalized people, should actually find himself all alone, uh, you know, far away in a country like Latvia, where for, uh, you know, because of um, charges against him of sexual misconduct uh, he much of his films had been uh, you know officially banned in uh, korea um, and so he is from the new wave uh, of korean new wave from the 1990s onwards but his social background and his class was very different from some of the other new korean filmmakers such as hong sang soo or lee chang dong or uh, Pak Chanuk or uh, Bong Joon-ho, um, you know, they, uh, unlike them, he did not have any kind of formal education or training in cinema and also his background was that of tremendous deprivation. And um, he, he was born in 1960 in Bongwa, North Yongsong province, that was south of Gangwon province. And, um, uh, you know, he moved to Seoul with his family and he attended agricultural training school before dropping out at the age of 17 to take up work in factories. And he did a lot of manual uh, labor and uh, he worked in makeshift gun uh, factories and he was also tortured by the police. He was wrongly court-martialed and detained in military prisons. Uh, he had been a Marine from the age of 20 to 25. Then he, for two years, he was, um, you know, he wanted to uh, become a preacher. And right throughout, he had suffered uh, tremendous setbacks, uh, discrimination because of his uh, social background, his lack of education. He endured from um, a feeling of inferiority because of his lack of formal education, whereas many of the new wave filmmakers had degrees from established uh, prestigious universities, such as Yonsei University and Chunghang University um, and uh, the Art Institute of Chicago like Hong Sang Su did. Um, and so then 1990, he went uh, to Paris, uh, scrapping up all the money he had to buy a plane ticket. And there he sold paintings. And you see this uh, great love of art in many of his uh, films. Um, and so that's when apparently he saw the first film in movie theater in Paris. And also, you see right throughout the very, very close connection between his aesthetics, his films, um, and also his personal life. Kim Ki-duk's father had been shot and tortured by North Korean troops. Um, the Korean War was the most extreme and intense experience in his life. And, um, and so, although his physical wounds had healed, his psychological wounds would never really heal, and his father's mental anguish had become Kim Ki-duk's own, and these feelings were projected into 
many of Kim Ki-duk's films and he is notorious for his brutal what is known as yopgi aesthetics a bizarre grotesque or horrific kind of visceral shocking aesthetics the aesthetics of cruelty and violence which um, you know is very much a part of this asian extreme cinema where he has been also criticized for his self-orientalizing tendencies of making films uh, particularly for a western audience so uh, while he found great box office uh, kind of success and recognition at various festivals abroad overseas he largely failed to connect with the korean audiences who were very skeptical and very wary so his reputation often preceded him so um So 1996 was his debut film Crocodile about the st- story of a marginalized man living at the edge of the Han River in Seoul where he saves this woman from committing suicide and so this is the film which um, uh, you know which uh, drew a very re- res- uh, receptive response at the Busan International Film Festival that uh, great platform uh, for the launch uh, launching of his international career as well as many new wave filmmakers um and so crocodile was uh, a film that uh, you know started his illustrious career and thereafter he would be prolific uh, he set up very quickly his modus operandi that he would shoot very quickly in one to two low budget films per year developing a reputation for shooting quickly and efficiently on location uh, and would shoot in one or two weeks and make it on very small budgets not exceeding 400,000 dollars he would cast little known theater actors and new talent he would be multitasking to lower production costs he would maintain creative control over his projects and he would usually write most of his scripts uh, for himself and So he made Bird Cage in and then he come has this breakthrough film the notorious the Isle um which was a real shocker and particularly gruesome particularly the se- sequence involving fish hooks um so the Isle was from 2000 was his became a signature film during this period of his filmmaking won awards at the Venice Film Festival Sundance Rotterdam and Moscow but uh, you know it's famously known for um certain uh, you know gratuitous kind of violent sequences which caused certain italian journalists to pass out during the press screening it really polarized people and there was you know it was met with revulsion as well as cheer uh, cheers and so this is the film the isle which turned a little known south korean independent filmmaker into a kind of an overnight sensation so it is an austere grim sadomasochistic relationship between two social outcasts reverting to their primitive primal origins and so you have some of these horrifying scenes of self mutilation which is very much the core of the aesthetics of cruelty and violence um so he says that using brutality or cruelty uh, as a shock tactic as an exploitative or shocking aesthetic gesture so violence plays more of a symbolic than a realistic role kim sees violence as a direct outgrowth if not reflection of emotional pain these scenes that you see in the isle and, uh, and thereafter of self mutilation are uh, all about sadomasochism they are the only type of immediate responses that 
those characters are capable of showing at the same time the physical wounds are symbols expressing how the characters are struggling in society the use of physical for pain and violence is a metaphor from emotional pain uh, through the majority of kim ki tooks films there is also animal cruelty as we see in uh, some of his other later films the other recurring theme that you see and kind of uh, motif is this use of characters who choose to be mute um that is an external projection of internal pain a return to primitive pre symbolic natural existence so according to him the religious elements in my story offer a return to mother nature and innocence these days our lives are full of artificiality we have to strive much harder to regain our innocence and korea's troubled political history is filtered through uh, korean cinema in its use of physical violence as a form of intimidation and a vessel for authoritarianism so here again as we later on we'll see there are these uh, you know ghostly sea creatures um so uh, you know so a film like the isle uh, was decried by many feminist critics calling him monster psycho um and then this started a kind of a feud between the director um a long standing feud between the director and uh, the film critics so much so that at very spons in his career he stopped giving interviews to local press um the next film was his most popular film this was a seventh film it uh, garnered 750000 admissions in south korea this was bad guy from 2002 um and so the next couple of years saw more high profile festival in, in invitations and uh, with bad guy uh, you have kim's first local box office hit there were certain reasons why it became so popular firstly uh, he ha- it, he cast a leading uh, star um, who you know usually kim did not have these stars in his films he couldn't afford them secondly kim had also slowly gained a reputation as that director who's popular abroad and uh, provoked audiences curiosity and thirdly there was a seductive marketing campaign by the local major conglomerate chel chedang or the cj entertainment group uh, based on the film's provocative themes so it turned bad guy into a commercial success So this was his by far his most uh, you know uh, successful film in terms of box office. So you have class antagonism here as a very core subject a collision between lower and middle class something that Kim had felt very personally outraged about the inequities of Korean society. So he taps into all of this jealousy and rage and class envy and aggression and this is very much an example of cinema of resentment and hostility uh, following Friedrich Nietzsche concept of the cinema resentment on um, and he mentions this in the genealogy of morality kind of that uh, you know that it results in often misunderstanding between the oppressed and the oppressors and from sustained periods of subordination and oppression uh, one reenacts imaginary sequences or scenarios of revenge um and so you have this kind of a uh, y- you know the class conflict that you see now in um, you know in Bong Joon-ho's the parasite and he believes the only way to communicate this kind of a class resentment is a shared sense of corporeal pain resulting in sadomasochistic acts of violence so he believes the violence of his characters is a kind of body language or um, a physical expression rather than just negative violence 
uh, and thereafter after this film uh, bad guy in 2003 he has uh, there is a distinct tonal shift in uh, kim's career with his ninth buddhist theme film spring summer fall winter and spring where he continues to focus on marginalized elements of society however there is a very conscious spiritual meditative reflective um, mystical almost aspect downplaying violence and foregrounding themes of redemption and forgiveness so there is definitely a transformative move uh, a moment in kim's career where there is a softening in his uh, style in his perhaps inner psyche and this played very well with foreign audiences and it won numerous awards in europe and north america um and so uh, this is a film uh, which is considered to be a buddhist film uh, there are others uh, like imkon tank national director imkon tanks mandala also why has bodhidharma left for the east and this film has also been compared to akira kurosawa's dreams from 1990 this is a film that is episodic it is divided into five separate segments corresponding with the the various seasons uh, again like the isle there is a return to the primal scene a certain primitivism a return to nature and you have these wonderful fascinating floating worlds that he creates this meditative environment um and then uh, you know you have this floating temple the parallel carving you have wallless rooms inside the temple where one is still required to walk in and out of a door which is a wonderful touch on uh, kim's part and reminiscent of a stage play So you have this transcendental meditative tone, the raw primal passions and perversions of his earlier angrier films have slowly given way to films that are subliminal, foregrounding mood over overt emotions. Also, space is rendered abstract in an abstract manner, facing any specificity of the location and time. So it feels as if it is, Im, you know, eternal. There's a certain eternal immortality to this film. There's a lack of specificity in terms of national history. There is a certain ahistoric quality to this film. Also, in terms of me, uh, in in terms of cinematography, you have this recreation of East Asian landscape paintings. You have these panoramic shots, long shots, a uh, certain space of recuperation and rep. sentence in this film whereas in the aisle you might think of the tranquility there as mere stasis which is disrupted by sadomasochistic acts of cruelty and violence so this spring uh, summer winter uh, it was the winner of the best picture award at the 2004 grand bell awards uh, one of korea korean cinema industry's prestigious awards this is also fairly autobiographical in the sense that in the winter chapter kim actually appears as the monk dragging a very heavy stone and this is symbolic of his own personal obstacles and hardships that he has had to rise above like the monk and also quite unthinkable compared to his contemporaries from privileged backgrounds then we have after this remarkable film where we still have certain uh, episodes of uh, you know uh, um, muted violence like violence towards women violence towards animals but then we have samaritan girl in 2004 which won the best director award at the berlin international film festival and it has this biblical reference as a tagline he who is without sin throws the first uh, stone and this was considered to be one of his most accomplished films and it is true that many of his female films the female characters are beaten raped or coerced into prostitution however the korean film scholar kyung hyun kim observes that kim kiduk's films are no more misogynistic than the korean society itself that has adopted its masculine hegemonic values by fusing neo-confucian 
ethics and military rule and structure that stem from decades if not centuries of foreign occupation and martial violence. And then we come to a film which is one of my personal favorites of Kim Ki-duk, which is Three Iron or Empty Houses. Uh, into from 2004 where we have these invisible voiceless characters against shadowy ghostly uh, figures uh, two ghost-like people who uh, you know develop an unlikely re relationship mainly through um, non-verbal communication um, and so uh, you know they do not really exist for society for various reasons so, so he moves from the aesthetics of cruelty you see a very good example of aesthetics of silence where silence is a recurring motif uh, you know characters choose to withdraw into themselves because of some original wound so according to Kim Kudok, the characters in my films are not mute, they just don't believe in verbal communication. It is that they cannot speak, it is not that they cannot speak, it's that, that they don't want to speak. And so there are these two uh, characters who communicate very harmoniously in non-verbal form. So body language is extremely important, uh, not um, uh, you know just dialogue, not being verbal. So Kim Ki-duk says, I consider silence to be words. Silence is words in the most varied sense. And regarding the suppression of dialogue in Three Iron or Empty Houses, he says, I want the audience to watch the characters more closely by reducing the dialogue as much as possible. Most movies have too much dialogue. I don't think words make everything understandable." Unquote. And another quote uh, about the aesthetics of silence is that it's a strategy to force the audience to fill in the banks themselves. And so here we see that in particular there's this ambivalent ending, there's a certain bittersweet taste to it, uh, an open-endedness, a lack of closure, a certain vagueness, uh, much like The Isle. Um, you know, and this film is just like The Isle about ghosts and haunted spaces. So it is interesting that it is hard to tell whether the world we live in is either a reality or a dream. That is the cryptic sort of a caption towards the end of the film. Uh, and so you have these recurring themes of um, of Kim Ki Duk, right? Uh, you know. So then he makes Time, 2006, which is considered to be a critique of Korea's fascination with plastic surgery and the horrific aftermath of it, and the basic superficiality of Korean cinema and Korean uh, Korean society. And then you have a lot of these post New Wave films like Breath, like Dream. Arirang, which considered to be a documentary on the director looking back on his career. It won the Best Picture Award at the 2011 Cannes International Film Festival. Um, and he, this was the first time that he was also seen in public since 2008 when he retreated from the media. And then, of course, in 2012, Pieta, winner of the Best Picture Award at Venice, um, about a brutal debt collector who meets an elderly woman who claims to be his mother. Uh, so Kim Ki Duk, just that the way he died, you know, complete, out, you know, outside his country, was also a perpetual outsider and a social outcast. His reception reputation, uh, you know, preceded him. Real source of controversy had many detractors, um, and particularly because of more recent allegations against him. So there would often be viewing peril disclaimers before screenings. He was often considered box office poison. A psychopath, uh, someone that upsets and alienates mainstream sensibilities, undermines middle-class notions of propriety and good taste. Many of them have been commercial failures and even his DVDs were often not available in the South Korean market. They would be you know, more readily available in, in North America and Europe, art house and festival circuits. 
And so a very different kind of polarized reception of Kim Ki-duk within his country and outside his country. Uh, he was embraced by global audiences, particularly North America and Europe. As of 2011, as many as 10 of his 17 films were commercially available in the US home video market, which is quite unprecedented and no other Korean filmmaker you know, could say that. Uh, he has won every major international festival award, uh, two Best Director awards at the Berlin and Venice International Film Festivals. Also retrospective, uh, 14 of his films were held in uh, MoMA. Um, in the Museum of Modern Art in 2008, again a first of its kind. Um, and so with journalists it was a combative relationship, adversarial relationship and with critics so there, he, uh, you know, there were many critics who loved to hate him. Um, and But according to Adrian Martin, a very well-known film critic, he is a director who evokes love and or hate in viewers, certainly not indifference, unquote. And feminist groups, uh, you know, constantly, uh, uh, you know, uh, was, was a very, they were very uncomfortable with his misogynistic, uh, rela uh, you know, his representation of women um, and uh, accused of annihilating the presence of women altogether. Uh, unless they were, you know, seen as sex objects. Um, so finally, thematic and stylistic patterns in Kim Ki-duk's film. There's a direct correlation between Kim's uh, film uh, films and his life. Socially marginalized, uh, you know, uh, people would, uh, you know, populate his films. Characters were underdogs. They were low lives. They were homeless people, thugs, prostitutes, thug, uh, disabled, uh, prison inmates. Um, so people who were living on the fringes of society, much like he was, uh, and the way in which his reputation was you know, existing in the shadows, he created alternative spaces of exile, alienation, invisibility, and also uh, many of these, you know, social outcasts, their only means of communication was a shared sense of corporeal pain resulting from extreme acts of violence. He would also uh, delve into divisive class issues of elitism, discrimination that he had suffered from. And he used evocative imagery, as we know, from the spring, summer, autumn, winter meditative transcendental serene kind of images juxtaposed with some very visceral uh, gratuitous graphic brutal violence sadomasochism self-mutilation uh, which uh, you know very much in the um, in the in the sphere of uh, body uh, what are known as body genres and often there would be narratives that would uh, be you know that would move ahead but they would not have very much dialogue so he was also somebody who mastered this aesthetics of uh, silence the kind of resounding silence um, so his uh, body language or uh, you know body movements or performance of actors would speak much louder than the dialogues um, and finally there you know any kind of criticism that he was trying to uh, you know garner any kind of pleasure through uh, the brutal representation of women one was it what, what was interesting is the aesthetic distanciation of sexually violent scenes so the camera would usually be a long shot it was be shot from a distance it would be a static camera and employing extremely long takes also so in men these ways in these ways of cinematography it would thwart any kind of perverse sense of uh, pleasure of excitement from those horrific uh, you know sexually um, provocative or exploitative uh, moments uh, and uh, so finally uh, you know Kim Ki-duk leaves behind a kind of a 
a vast body of work and he was very much south korea's preeminent provocateur he was known as the offer tareeb um and uh, for various reasons i think kim kidok will live on through his films and particularly the best of his films um 